I want to ask you just think about how did your fasting go? And I hope that you link some fasting along with some prayer time. Here we are, we're almost two months into 2020, almost two months into 2020. How's that for time flying by us? I really didn't know what to title this. If you have a handout and you see on the back, Diane asked me, she said, what's your title? I said, you know what? I just hadn't came up with a word. I I was going to be preaching on this passage, but I'm going to give you a title. How's that? Not that you might want a title, but I just felt like the title is Breakthrough. That God wants to give us a breakthrough. And uh, this, this passage will kind of deal with that a, a little bit. And later on, we'll be more specific. Matthew chapter 4 is the temptation of Christ. Um, you know, the word of God calls us again and again to die daily to the flesh, to crucify the flesh. Do not give space to the flesh. That there's a constant conflict between our carnal nature and our spiritual nature. Anybody had that conflict recently? So we're told every day, Paul said, I deal with this on a daily basis. I die daily. And here's the reality. The reality is whatever progress we want to make, whatever advancement we want to make, when we're detained by our own uh, distractions and by our own vain pursuits, not only does that cost us right now, but we're not further down the road spiritually. So who knows what could have developed there. You just can't recover what was missed. And and think about this. Before Jesus preached his first sermon, before he wrought his first miracle, which was at Canaan of Galilee, before he recruited his first disciple, before he delivered uh, a demoniac for the first time, before he explained the works of Moses, the law, and the prophets, and David to anyone, no Beatitudes, no Sermon on the Mount, before he did any of that, he went straight from water baptism, I covered this last week, into a 40-day of cosmic battle with the devil. And it was one of the other gospel writers gives us the idea that the devil didn't show up at the end of the 40 days with these three specific tests, but that it went on for 40 days and he ended it by throwing everything he had left at the Lord. And the final test is what we're going to look at. Matthew 4 verses 9 through 11. Now, if you're there at 9, it basically was this. He says, if you're the son of God, I'm going to show you the kingdoms of the earth. And if you will bow down and worship me, I'm going to give you all of this. He showed him all the kingdoms. Isn't it interesting that the last temptation, the last thing that the devil came against Christ was about worship? And and forget, Jesus does not respond to the offer at all, does he? He shows him all these kingdoms because really The devil is a liar and the father of lies, so that was not his to begin with. He was offering something he couldn't deliver because they didn't belong to him to begin with. So the Lord doesn't even address what he was saying about the kingdoms of the the earth. What he does address is worship. This is the play that the devil made to get any part of worship that belonged to God. And look what Jesus said to him. He says, you know, it's written that that man should worship God and him only serve. 
that worship belonged to God. The, the devil wanted that worship, and that's how he fell out of heaven, right? He, he saw how God was extolled and worshiped, and he wanted that. He wanted that position. And the angel that he was at that time fell and became Satan, the devil, the deceiver, the accuser of the brethren. And it was all about worship. Isn't, is it interesting that today some of the most heated disagreements in churches today have to do with worship? Have to do with style of song, sound system, lighting. And to me, I think the enemy is okay with us doing any of that as long as it distracts us from really worshiping. That we're analyzing the aesthetics, we're analyzing the sound, we're analyzing. And guess what's going on while we're analyzing all of it? He's not being worshipped. And I think this is just, the enemy is okay. Whatever we do in this building, I don't think he really cares what we do. Just as long as we don't worship the Lord. Just as long we don't open our hearts and tell God how much we love him and how valuable he is to us and that we surrender ourselves to him and, and serve him and give ourselves and surrender ourselves to him. That is not what he wants us to do in this room. I just, I just want to tell you, if you have a little bit of hang up with a song, just let it go. Just let it go. Sing in your own mind, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine, my one of my favorite songs. It is well with my soul. One of my favorite songs. You can sing whatever you sing. Worship the Lord with whatever. You, don't worship the music. Worship the one who is the object of what we're saying. Right? And I, I just believe that this all-out battle between the devil and Jesus. I mean, he's going at him with everything that he has left. Whatever he's tested him, the other 40 days prior to that, he's going for all that he can get. And he ends up attacking Jesus about worship. Now, what does Jesus say in the next verse? Now, it has up here, away from me, because that's, that's the NIV. But if you're a King James person, you'll read, get thee hence. Get the hints. I don't think we use that word, those words anymore, do we? I don't know if we've ever used. In the South, we would just sum it up all by saying, get. Get with an I and not an E. Get. Go on. Go on now. Get out of here. That's how we'd say it. <laughs> get on out of here. That's right. I got Andrew here helping me again. This, I've been missing you, Andrew. He had, he had surgery uh, on his mouth last week, and I just missed him interrupting me. Um, it's good to have you back, but he is keeping you alive, and he, won't, and, and he wants a breakthrough in your life, too. Do you believe that? That's right. We, we would just say, get out of here. But if you go to some other translations, you'll find that that's exactly what he was saying. Get away from here. Go. It's one word. It's a command. It's an imperative. And you know in a command, the subject doesn't necessarily have to be stated, right? It's, 
it's just assumed that you go. It's the same word, and it's a command. Go, and that's it. And then he calls him Satan. So he's actually telling him to go. And then he tells him what's really is the root of worship, that you should worship God and him only shall you serve. Now, I want you to look at the next verse because it, we, we just read this and just keep on going into the next verse. What does the next verse say? What does verse 11 say? And the devil left him and angels came and attended to him. How cool is that? Now, you might not feel like, whoa, that just gives me all kind of inspiration. And no, I don't think Jesus just kind of said, get on out of here. And in a mellow tone, I believe he was forceful. And I believe those, that word, translated with three words, away from me, Satan, summed up in word, I believe that caused what happened in verse 11. The devil left him. And the devil left him because he had to. He was told to. He didn't leave on his own volition. He was told to leave. And because the one telling him to leave told him to leave, he had to leave. He didn't have any, he didn't have any part in staying. He wasn't going to stay. He was commanded to leave by the Son of God, and he left. I remember way, way back, I just heard this story. I wasn't really a part of it, but... You know, my mom, my mom was like um, 90 miles an hour in everything. She just went 90 miles an hour. She was hyper about everything. Whatever was going on, she was hyper about it. I mean, the lady went to youth camps into her 60s and was lifeguard and one of the principal altar workers and prayed more women my age in this district, prayed more women into the baptism of the Holy Spirit than I could count. And she taught a lot of them how to swim. She was an avid swimmer, swimmer, was around YWCA in Evansville where her aunt was an instructor so she could dive, she could swim, she was a lifeguard. But her real love was being in the altar and praying with young girls to know the Lord and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But she was hyper in, all, in other ways too. She was hyperly scared when she was scared. She was not just scared, she was hyperly scared. And I think she's caused a lot of us to be hyperly scared on certain things. We lived on 25 acres of land in Harpersville, Alabama. Don't blink while you're going through there because if you're not watching your speed, you'll get a ticket to in Harpersville. So you need to watch that, 280. We had two chicken houses, 15,000 chickens in each house, 30,000 chickens at a time. We ran a chicken farm. And that's why my dad had all these kids so he could have free labor. So... <laughs> We do, we do believe that he's like, can we have some more kids? We need some more workers out there. But my mom, my dad worked swing shift at a paper mill. And the story goes when my granny came down to her mother and they were like, like mirrors of each other, both from real hyper. They were up talking late one night. And then my mom, who could have, she had bionic ears and bionic nose. She could hear things and smell things that nobody in the house could hear or smell. And she thought she heard something out in our shed in the middle of the night, and her and my granny got in the tub in the bathroom with the light off, looking, no air conditioning, so the window was open, just looking through the screen, trying to see 
what's going on out there, and they hear something out there. I mean, we had chickens, so if you got chickens, guess what shows up? Possums, you know, the works show up. So something was out there, and it was making noise. The more that they stood there, the more they got scared. And I was told that all of a sudden my mother couldn't take it any longer. And with both of them standing there, she yelled out, Get out of here! And Goldie Irene Dilger, her mama, grabbed her chest and said, Betty, don't you ever do that again because you like to give me a heart attack. But I think that's just the way the Lord spoke to the devil is to get out of here. I'm done with you. You failed. And I've conquered you. And he left. James tells us in his writing that if you submit yourself to God, a lot of people quote the latter part of that verse. They quote this part, resist the devil and he will flee from you. But before that, he said, submit yourself to God, resist the devil. And those two things are connected. And sometimes we want a breakthrough without dealing with what's right in front of us. And that is the role of God in our life, the role of his authority, the role of his word, the role of his truth. Are we fully submitted and surrendered to who he is and what he wants? We can, we can come resist the devil all we want to, but if we're not submitted to God and surrendered to God, I don't think that has much an effect on the evil one. And James undoubtedly felt like that that's the way it worked. You submit yourself to God, then resist the devil, and again, it's not like he has a choice about it. He didn't say, and maybe he will flee from you. Maybe you'll get some reprieve. No, he will run. And see, most of us don't think that the devil does that. We think we have to sign the cross, keep on saying, keep on rebuking. And no, if you surrender yourself to God, says he, can, he doesn't have any ground here. He has no space here and some that need a breakthrough you have to have both of those components you have to have a surrendered heart to God and on his authority resist the devil here's the thing breakthrough comes through wrestling and combating up front the enemy and that's exactly what Jesus did Jesus got a breakthrough this is the latter part of this verse but it, we wrestle against principalities and powers against the rulers of the darkness of this world, right? Is that what we're told we're wrestling against? So breakthrough comes when we do not avoid that kind of conflict, but we stand our ground in that conflict and we wrestle with the power of God. You know, Carl Strader, I remember Carl Strader saying one time, um, some, one of the worst things about Christians is that we wrestle not. We just don't wrestle anything. But sometimes the devil doesn't give you a choice whether you're going to wrestle. <laughs> I can't help but think of something. I might have shared this story. When I got to Southeastern Bible College, I went from Jacksonville State University with, with God really twisting my arm to go to Bible College. It's not really what I wanted to do, but I felt like that's what he, he was telling me to do. And I was down there and... And there was like 600 and something students at Southeastern Bible College. There's some, some people in high school that has more in their graduating class than that. 
So I'm kind of like watching these guys play on the field there, and they're tossing the football around. I'm still trying to like figure out, Lord, why did you make me come here? And, and finally I hear, I feel a guy walk up next to me. His name is Robert Mize. And I, and, I, and I now know that he's probably autistic. Nobody had that word. I never heard that word. But he walked up next to me, and I looked over, and he said, You want to wrestle? And I said, no, I don't want to wrestle. I want to wrestle. And I said, well, I don't want to wrestle. No, I'm not wrestling. I'm watching what they're doing out there. I'm, they're playing football. Well, he didn't say it again. But he took it on. The next thing I know, he weighed, out, weighed me about 50 pounds. I was heading to the ground with him on top of me. And you know what? I was wrestling. <laughs> My desire not to wrestle was overcome that I had to get this guy off of me. And, of course, I was getting him off. And I said, what is wrong with you? I told you I didn't want to wrestle, but I want to wrestle. I said, I didn't want to wrestle. I said, don't do that again, all right? I said, okay. I'm friends with him on Facebook. He, he, he became, yeah, he's on Facebook, right? <laughs> Come on, Brenda. You remember Robert Myers, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> Robert became one of my best friends. Not from that. I can tell you that. That's like, what? what? I told you I didn't want to wrestle. And then I had grass all over me, and I had this guy on top of me. And, you know, sometimes you're not going to have a choice but to pick up the weaponry that God has given you and fight the good fight of faith. Don't walk away when you're challenged by the evil one. You will get a breakthrough by your willingness to get in there and fight through the battle. And he's given you the weaponry. He's given you the assurance that if you resist him, he will flee from you. So breakthrough is going to come. Not as a personal favor from the Lord, but because you decided to take the Lord at his word. He encouraged you and empowered you to fight your way. He's not going to fight that battle. He says, I've given you armor, and he told us to put the armor on. Sometimes I think we think God is just going to dress us up in whatever he, the armor he wants us to have and, and shove us out into the field, and we fight. He says, no, you got to pick up the, the armor yourself. you got to dress yourself. you got to take up these resources that I've given to you and you will win that battle you will win you will have a breakthrough here's the other side of this breakthrough I love this angels came and attended to him that's pretty cool the King James again says ministered unto him what does that mean Angels came and attended to him. Here goes Satan. He leaves. He leaves. He's defeated. He's been vanquished by the Lord. Forty days is up. And when he leaves, angels come. Angels come to Jesus. Listen. From the moment that Mary got the announcement from Gabriel... Angels were camping out in Israel. There's not a day in the existence of the Son of God from his conception to the time that he gave his life 
for us on the cross and was raised from the dead, even then, what's the first, who's the first announcers of his resurrection? It's angels. Can you imagine the angels wanting that assignment or having any assignment? But the angels came. They came and ministered to him. And the anointing on Christ, he, he got the anointing of Christ when the dove of heaven came upon him and the Father spoke those words in the, in the waters of, of the Jordan River. And John the Baptist, John the Baptist just, he, it was a struggle for him when Jesus walked up to him and he's baptizing people. He's called sinners out. Come on, you need to get baptized. And in walks Jesus into the water. And he said, I'm, you know, this is for sinners. This isn't for you. This is, you know, you need to baptize me. And, and this, is, this is how the anointing came upon Jesus. He said, I'm going to identify with the people who just came into this water. I'm going to identify with them. I'm going to surrender myself to the Father's will. And you just go ahead and fulfill righteousness because this is the way God's going to work in this. And when, as soon as he baptized him and brought him up, the Father spoke, the Holy Spirit came, and it was on. The anointing of the Lord was on him and he went into that wilderness temptation and he beat the devil at his own game. He left a defeated foe. And here comes angels behind this. You see, my imagination, and probably I get this a little bit from my mom as well, is that the angels was watching this the whole time. Don't you know that as soon as he came out of the water, and he entered up into the mountainside right there. It's all, it's all barren. You can Google outside of Jer uh, Jericho, outside of Jordan River. It's just barren. There's nothing out there. And he went into that, and it says wild animals out there. He spent 40 days without food, without water. And here comes angels to attend to him. You know, the word attend is diakoneo. The noun is diakonos. What does that sound like to you? Sounds like dinner. <laughs> well, we, we shorten it up for a person who serves in the church. Deacon. The word deacon comes from, that's, diokonos is the word deacon. It's translated deacon. It literally means someone who waits on tables. I think those first seven guys that was chosen were what, waiting tables? So this was, this was a good calling. This was a, this was a great calling that you attend to someone else's needs. So if they attended to him, guess what they were doing? They were feeding him. Who knows what they were feeding him? Where it was prepared? Was it prepared in heaven? Did they go to, you know, angels can appear as human beings, right? The Bible even says, be careful how you entertain strangers because you may be entertaining angels unaware. I mean, they may appear to us as humans, you know, and, and they're just here to see what we're going to do, how we're going to respond. But here comes angel, angels and they visibly are there feeding Jesus, giving him something to drink, giving him a time of refreshing. Scripture tells us that angels are sent to us in fact, the very word angelos means someone who is sent. So these were sent by the father to his son, his incarnate son, to bring him refreshment, to bring him food, to bring him drink. And they are also sent to us as ministering spirits. 
To experience a breakthrough, you have to be willing to fight through the opposition and let the supernatural things of God come and fill your life. That includes the baptism of the Holy Spirit, includes the empowering presence of God, a surrender life. These, this is how the Lord wants you to get, have a breakthrough. I mean, we had prayer and fasting this week. Church was open at 5 o'clock every morning, Monday through Friday. And it was open most every evening, except I think Thursday evening. If you came Thursday evening and it wasn't open, we apologize for that. But it was here for you to get away and seek the Lord. Do you think that there's that we live in a day and time when we need to do some fasting and praying? That we need to carve out some areas of our life that we can just shut it down, shut the television down, shut our social media down. I really kind of withdrew a lot from Facebook, but now I'm getting all these birthday greetings, so I'm, I'm eager to get to where after today I'm going to jump in there full bore but God wants you and I to have a breakthrough and you and you said well I don't know of anything great I'm battling what about what you're missing what about the things that God has for you what does he want to do in your life that's way beyond your imagination I think that's a, a verse in the Bible right that he is who is able to do a like what exceedingly don't you like these words he's exceedingly abundantly above what we could either ask or think outside of your imagination just think what God wants to do in your life outside of your imagination you can't come up with something that stupendous you haven't even thought about what God most of us in this room are a little bit intimidated to talk about any talk to anyone about their salvation. Most people in the room will will not talk to anyone this year about their salvation. I just think that God wants to give us all a breakthrough on that. Because I think He wants us who've tasted and seen the greatness of the Lord and the goodness of His mercy. And how grace feels to have his assurance wrapped around our life. That somehow we ought to be ready to tell someone else, you, wanna, you really want what I have. You just don't know how bad you need what I have. But if you knew what I have, you would really want what I have. And isn't that kind of like being salt and making someone thirsty? I knew a, a pastor who was a great soul winner. And uh, he used to say, those people who say to me that you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. He said, oh, I can. I'll put a big old salt tablets in his mouth, and then he'll drink. And I think somehow the Lord wants us to put some salt tablets in people. Make them a little thirsty. <laughs> Maybe if they've watched us too much, they don't, I don't want, to, I don't want what they got. They look like they're discouraged all the time. God wants to give you a breakthrough. Would you stand with me? I have uh, Shane ready to play some music here in just a moment. You know, I, I really felt I'm, I'm so compelled to pray for a couple of my nephew and my great nephew that doesn't know the Lord and just so burdened for their salvation and then really interceding for them. 
And my brother and I are going up to a, a, a first cousin. We only have like three first cousins. And um, he's not doing well. We're not sure where he stands with the Lord, but we're going. We're going tomorrow. And we're going to see if he's really in. I think God wants us to do that now. I think if you know someone in your family, wouldn't you be, would you, it is not only be horrific that you heard that they were killed in an accident, the first thing that would pop into your mind is, oh no, I don't know where they're at. That would be more horrific than the news that they died. God needs to give us a breakthrough to have a burden for the loss like he has for the loss. Lord, I pray this morning that obviously the enemy does not want us to reach toward you and claim anything beyond ourselves that's new and more powerful, that overwhelms us, that ushers us out of our limitations into the unlimited power of your spirit. We all have our personal traits, but Lord, you work beyond that. You work outside of that. You take, when we're yielded to you, you take and you use us the way you want to use us. And for those who are in a battle for health reasons or for financial reasons, there's family issues, there's, there's relational issues, I just ask, Lord, today they would begin a step toward breakthrough. A breakthrough to healing, a breakthrough to restoration, a breakthrough from freedom of their fears and their in their limitations. Forgive us, Lord, for allowing our own limitations to affect your using us. And today, Lord, I'm asking after this week of fast and prayer to launch us today on this last week in February that we become what you want us to be at the university, at our jobs, in our classrooms, in our family, with our friends, to be signposts to them, a revelation to them that there's only one way to heaven and it's through you. And that today, Lord, you would meet us here. And if, that's, and if you want to have that kind of breakthrough, I want a breakthrough. I'm, I'm, I'm down here. I'm, I want God to use me to talk to Harry Allen. You know, I'm, it's, not, it's not in me to just talk to someone for salvation. But God has given me a release to do that. It's not because I'm a preacher. It's because he's, got some, he's done something in my heart that I want to know where people are and that he loves them and he wants to save them whether it's a waitress at Waffle House which I've prayed for a lot of them or the person that you're just going to casually interact and God, God wants to get your attention right then and says I put that person in front of you for a reason they need you they need your witness so if that's you, if you want to be that kind of free in him, I want you to come. Just take a few minutes here and say, Lord, I want to break through. I want to be what you want me to be. So let's do it.